Wichita Falls. I'm your co-host, Ryan. With my lovely wife, Catherine, by my side, we'll be having discussions on business, family, and anything else we find complicated or intriguing. Whether you're having your coffee in Bernie, Texas, driving to work in Des Moines traffic, or on a jog through the streets of Garfield, Arkansas, join us as we dive deep into the mysteries of modern life. Welcome to the Armadillo Den. Welcome to the Armadillo Den, Ryan. Catherine, how are you? <laughs> I'm sleepy. Yeah, it's been a long week. So today we're going to talk about the early days, the last episode. We talk about the yester- yesteryears, boy meets girl. And now we're going to talk about the early years of screen printing. The, uh, the OG name of Ramble and Company was, what was it, Ryan? Morath Screen Printing. <laughs> Morath screen printing. Very creative. My maiden name is Morath, so, and I screen printed, so. Morath screen printing. (laughs) Morath screen printing. Change, and that title was 2009 to 2015. Mm -hmm. It seems like just the other day, doesn't it? Right. So I was recently uh, taken to lunch by a friend, and then his boss. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. And I was asked, at what point or did you go from screen printing like st- strictly custom orders to actually screen printing... Your own designs? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that took a little while, and he pretty much asked, why did you think anyone would want to buy your designs? So today we're going to talk about prior to all that, and then we'll kind of conclude with at what point we decided to start testing out our own designs and how that came to be. And the point of all this is to just have a conversation about persevering and... Mistakes we made. And that you do not always have to have a plan. It's good to have a plan, even if it's not very far-sighted. Right. So, Ryan, what is one of your... Because you were involved, but it was really my business at the very beginning. So what early stories do you have of me having a massive tear breakdowns? I remember, I don't, I don't. Did I cry? I don't remember you crying a lot. I mean, you probably (laughs) did, but uh, I just remember there's a part of the screen printing process that you put, you put a film on the actual silk screens, and it's called emulsion. And I just remember us having a really difficult time figuring out how that should cure, uh, like when to, and then you essentially shoot the image out of that screen. It's water soluble, so you, it's a lot. It's kind of a lot, but we had issues with that, and then come to find out, it was our environment we were it was too humid too cold too hot because we in the beginning we were not climate control climate controlled at all we didn't have air conditioning it was in my i had a little house that i built in downtown byers out of one of the or into one of the uh 
storefronts there. And there was a big shop in the back, and that's where we kept everything. But it was not optimal. It was huge and cold and hot. Really cold and really hot. Wet. So I remember that year, 2009, it was our first winter with a screen printing shop. And to this point, we used a gas pressure washer to clean our screens. And I will also say at this point, we started screen printing with wooden frame, wooden frames, which... That's what came with the equipment we bought. Right. Right. And the hard thing about these screens, and when they're wood, we use aluminum frames now. Yeah, the wood frames that. would shift, so you would clean them. But if they shift or got loose, then your mesh is not tight, mm-hmm. which makes the your screen or the image is crooked, be crooked yeah. and fuzzy. There's a lot of issues that come with a a not tight meshed screen. So I was cleaning the few screens that we had that actually worked, and it had dipped below freezing. So I get everything prepped. I had a big order to get ready for the following week. I go out there and the water hose is frozen (laughs) and we couldn't do anything. So, I mean. Yeah. And that was just a one time. That happened. Yeah. It happened so many times. Um, we did start insulating the water hose so that, and trying to drain it out the night before. So we wouldn't have frozen water hoses when we're outside when it's 22 degrees trying to clean screens. I think about that now and how terrible terrible that was. But re- like our process now, there are aspects of it that I think, man, this is such a pain in the ass. But we've got it so easy now. There's no, there's really all the variables we've kind of taken out of the process. It's all left to human error now. Right. You know, And it's still manual labor. I'm, yes. So for those who don't know, we... St- in 2009, purchased a manual screen printing press, and we still, to this day, operate on a manual screen printing press. We have thought a lot of print shops have gone to automatic, and they're a lot more costly. I mean, I'd love to go to an automatic. I would love to go to an automatic. It's just something we haven't quite justified with the type of orders we receive. Yeah, so, and the quantity. I mean, we we do a lot, but not... Volume. Yeah, not yeah. that much. So... um yeah, we, this specific year, we had to figure out how to eliminate these wooden screens, but we couldn't pay for aluminum because they're so expensive. At the time, At the we time, could not afford But that was like, as soon as we could reinvest into our business, we immediately did. So yeah, Ryan talked about the emulsion. We had troubles with emulsion for probably eight years. And why that's so important is... The process of putting emulsion on the screens, this is after we had moved to the Charlie area in our little farmhouse, and we had just had Annie, so this is a two-bedroom house, two-bedroom, one-bath house. How What was the square foot of this farmhouse? Like 800 square feet. 800 square foot. We had built a shop on a slab that came with the house, and for a tiny, tiny little shop, I mean, we could barely operate in there. But we kept our screens in Annie's, so the nursery closet. We would emulsion the screens, put them in her closet, hope we didn't make a mess, cover them with a bath towel. And the the way the chemical is and the, the emulsion, it's light sensitive. So 
we would accidentally leave the closet open. Annie would get the closet when well, she was a baby, but yeah, she, yeah. we would tirelessly forget <clears throat> that the screens were in there. And then when we would go to use them, They'd they be bad. W- they would be bad, and we would have to start the process all over. But so you can't tell they're bad until... You shoot it out. You sh- And so you go through this whole process, and then at the end, you're like, well, good. And at the time, we used a handmade light exposure unit that my... Actually, my uncle... I had. We mm-hmm. bought the company from my great uncle. And the gentleman he bought the company from had built this light exposure unit, which was a piece of store-bought glass on top of some... Uh, a plywood frame. Plywood frame, but there were uh, like shop lights in it. It was plywood, two by fours, and there's shop lights, and then so this piece of glass. And oh, it yeah, it gets better. Then you put the screen on it, and then my they had built a board with a foam piece on it, and you stuck a ten pound. That was a twenty pound. Twenty pound barbell weight <laughs> on. So every time I went to shoot a screen, I would have to lift this weight up, put it on top of the glass, pray it all worked out, and then... Often it didn't. Often, more often than not, it didn't work out. And at the time, that whole process took 24 to 48 hours to get... You emulsion a screen, the emulsion goes bad, you have no idea, you shoot the screen. Now, for perspective, we've bought an exposure unit and new emulsion... Better screens, and the About whole 30 process, minutes. 30 minutes. So something that early on took us 24 to 48 hours, now takes us 30 minutes to produce a screen. Mm-hmm. So that came with a lot of YouTube videos. Um, what's another crazy story? You're, one that I want to talk about specifically is when we started, and to this day we've never been in a phone book, which is I know irrelevant now, but back then when you needed a plumber, you didn't Google it. You looked in a phone book, you know, mm-hmm. and we've never advertised. It was always word of mouth. Thankfully, I had a large family starting out and we came from a small community. So we were the screen printing shop, right? Right. Close friends of ours ran a church camp, which is really popular, Katie's Kids Camp in Byers, Texas. And I will not forget that we were so excited. This was a couple hundred shirt order for Aaron. And we didn't cure the ink correctly, and they all washed out. The images (laughs) washed out of the shirt. So they were left with blank shirts. Right. Did we reprint all of those? We reprinted the entire order, which was all the profit. So it was a complete wash. And so I think where I was... We we gained a lot of experience from that. It was hard because we needed that profit to pay off. I've mentioned this before, but the sole purpose of purchasing our company and starting into screen printing was just to pay off debt. And so with everything we made, we usually put it straight towards some sort of debt we had or we reinvested it immediately. I feel like it was a long time before we reinvested it into the screen printing business. So one thing that I wanted to touch on was I was, we didn't advertise we worked for friends, which is difficult, but it makes you, I think early on, we really, when we started messing up, as bad as they, I mean, we know it was just as hard for them to contact us about the failure than it was us acknowledging it. And we had to figure out early on what like our core values were and how we were going to handle customer service. 
because I knew that if we didn't handle it correctly, we would not keep getting referral business. And the key to, I think, any successful business is repeat customers. If your customers come to you once and leave, there's probably something wrong. I mean, I think to this day we have a lot of, I'm super thankful for our recurring customers, people who come back. And starting out, it was repeat customers that kept us in business. Mm-hmm. Still to this day, I mean, still we have people who were with us from the beginning. Yeah, so know what you're, how you're going to handle customer service. This is a, this, I'm going to fast forward to 2016. We did an order for a local business in Wichita Falls. And I was so excited about getting this account, printed all these shirts. And I remember Ryan specifically printed these because I was pregnant and we had opened our storefront. So I couldn't, wasn't as printing as much. And part of the process of screen printing, there's just more error in manual printing than there is automatic. And there was a speck on the screen that didn't get taped off. So that speck was, ink went through it and that speck went on the shirts Mm. And most people would not notice, nor did we or Ryan. I mean, I looked over the shirts. We had no idea the spec was on there. Would you correct? That's the way I remember it. Okay. (laughs) So basically they wanted a complete reprint. And in this instant, I knew in my gut that was, and they wanted to keep the shirts. So when someone comes to you and they're like, I want a complete reprint, but I'm going to go ahead and keep these. There were some red flags in it. And so I'm not going to go into too many more details beyond that. But I think that over the years in customer service, I've realized, yes, the customer's always right, but... There are also people who can't be pleased. Can't be pleased and just want to take advantage of you. And I think if you know your core company values, your core values as an individual... You're going to know what the right move is, whether it's fun or not, and whether you have a loss of income or not. Um, yeah, and whatever standard you set for yourself, those values, you have to hold the people that you are in business with and doing business for to the same values, mm-hmm. or the values just don't mean anything. Right. It's a worthless endeavor. So in this instant, what I our huge takeaway from this was we refined our disclaimers. So before we take on custom screen printing clients, we have a disclaimer that says, you know, th- these are manually printed. There might be a small margin of error. A lot of people think that screen printing comes off of like a printer. And they so we only have a six color press. Early on, we had a four-color press. So we could only print on a specific shirt four colors. Now it's six colors. And we've been approached for orders that want a 12-color shirt. And when we say we can't do that, it's a lot to not understand that that's just not how we're equipped. So know your standards, know your values, but also have really good prep your customers have good disclaimers that this might happen, you know. Right. Yeah. And so and we manually load the shirts as well onto the onto the board, which determines where the image is on the shirt. So there are literally no two Ramble and Company shirts that have the image in the same spot. Right. And we use registration. We do lots of measuring. We do. And we 
we gauge by the seams on a shirt where the shirt goes on the board, by the collar, by the sleeve seams. However, shirts aren't all made the same. I I can't see perfectly. So it's not it's not a it's not a science, it's a an yeah. art and an educated guess. <laughs> <clears throat> so can we talk real quick about um I think it was the same situation the order I had printed. They got to the people and the ink was the wrong color. Mm. It was a similar color but it was wrong. Then I think it was at that point I realized that I'm not colorblind, but I can't see shades of colors <laughs> correctly. So that's why. Are you talking about the purple? Or is that another one? That, was, that wasn't even that long ago. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that is why we always have uh, wh- wh- whoever's working with me in the shop, that person has to have a good understanding of how to mix colors and I don't do, I don't do that because I have uh many of fights with yeah. Ryan and Catherine yeah. have come over the wrong color of ink. So now he's just I can't tell the difference unless colors are right next to each other if they're a sh- you know few shades different. Right. Yeah, and I mean one of the ones that I'm thinking of and I think it's a different one that that you're thinking of this order is a fabulous repeat customers. We print all of their shirts for, I'm going to go ahead and give Derek a shout out visiting angels in Wichita falls. Um, Derek Schneider is the owner and one of his employees, Lori is who we deal with. She orders their caretakers shirts with the logo on them. And they, I don't know if they, they didn't do it in 2020, but there is an Alzheimer's walk. And we print shirts for it. And this year, this specific year, they had an elephant with purple ink. And it was a pretty intricate design, actually. And the I wasn't around to confirm the purple, and the purple was off. And Lori let us know. And rightfully not, so, because it was rightfully not... Rightfully so. This was not what she ordered. It was ordered. not correct. And we reprinted the whole order, the correct purple. She was happy. And I'm just super thankful that we've had customers who gave us such grace in the mistakes. Yeah. So our shop has moved six times. Six times. Let's count them. So the buyer's buyers, garage, buyer's garage, my parents' shop, and Mm, buyers. Which was also in buyers. We sold the buyer's house or Mm. shop. I don't know what you want to call it. The buyer's location. It was my my (laughs) bachelor pad, basically what it was, because we didn't live there when we were married. Right. So we, when he sold that, obviously our screen printing shop had to move. We moved it to his parents' shop. And so that's two. Three is when we moved from Byers to the Charlie Thornberry area. We built it, Ryan built a shop. That's three. Then we moved from that house to the house in Thornberry. That's garage. Four. We were back in a garage, four. And then Indiana location where our store was. That was our first real shop. It was 2017. Air conditioned. Oh, it was good. Yeah. And then now we're in 10th Street, so that's six. What is one thing that's proving that all of our locations have had in common? Mice. Well, now it's rats, but mice. I think we've gotten rid of the rats. I haven't seen one in a while. Oh, Honor and I heard them up in the drop ceiling. Great. <laughs> They're still there. 
what so other than that? <laughs> I wanted you to talk about the phase you went through where you hunted. Oh, okay. Yeah, so at our Thornberry house, I had a... And I don't hunt now because essentially I don't have time. And I hate cleaning deer. Um, but I had a, I had a bag of protein uh, feed for deer. I can't remember the corn. brand. Yeah. It was pro- no, it was like the crump protein crumbles that you'd put in with corn or whatever. Oh, okay. It was, a real, it was real fine. Um, so I had it in the garage. It was unopened. But the garage is where our printing shop was. Come to find out it had been chewed through by mice. I moved it. And then later on, uh, I found a dead. Well, I ha- you were busy construction at this point, and I was back to printing quite a bit, mm-hmm. pregnant with Maggie. And the way our shop was set up, right behind where you printed, was our mini deep freeze, mm-hmm. and which was by the back door. And at this time, I'm going out there, sensitive nose because of pregnancy, and I'm like, something is dead. Very dead. Please go find this dead animal. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking by the smell, it's a skunk, a possum, and it was a ginormous rat. Field mouse. Okay, yeah, sorry. It looked like a rat, but it was a field mouse that had been binge eating protein. And this thing was the size of half of a shovel head. Yeah. I've I've got a photo. It's actually on my Instagram. You can go back quite a ways and find we'll, the photo we'll on my Instagram. We'll share it. When this episode comes out, we will share that picture. So no, let's make them go to my Instagram. It's at Ryan Hager, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> or at Ryan out. Hager, TX. But yeah, it's this thing is it's huge. And so the the what tops this, what made this more awful than just dead field mice, these mice brought fleas mm-hmm. to the garage. To our dog. To our dog. We're going to blame it on the mice. We're not going to throw... Oh, Lucy. Lucy, yeah. Rest in peace. We had a blue tick coonhound. And so I would be printing. And I didn't, at this point, Ryan, I had never seen a flea. Do you remember that? That we were sitting on the couch in this house because the garage was attached to the house. And I'm like, what is that little bug? And you completely freaked out and was like, that's a flea in our home. I'm like, whoa. So then I started noticing them. Printing one day, huge belly. I know that I was almost due. I was probably seven months pregnant. I looked down and my legs were covered in fleas. Covered. Covered, okay. Ryan. So gross. I completely freaked out. I started wearing full pants, long sleeves in the heat of the summer so that... Yeah, so we, until bom- we, could get we, them bombed, under. we bombed the house twice. Bombed and bombed and bombed. Until we finally did get rid of them. Mm-hmm. And that was my breaking... I would say the the fleas over the mice was my tipping point to we have got to find something else to do. What was the year that your bachelor pad was built in buyers? I think it was in the teens. Okay. 19 teens. Okay. I don't remember. 1918 or something like How that. How long had it been vacant? If you had to take a guess. Well, at least 20 years. At least 20, probably 30. Right. So, mice live there. Ryan moves in. 
They took over that place. And you remember the Daddy Long Legs? How many oh, gosh. <laughs> spiders, spiders there were? But the other shop, it was outdoors, so naturally there were mice. And we lived in the country. And then the reason why the Thornberry house was so bad was because there were fields all around it. And so when the farmers would sow wheat and cut, the field mice would come to the house. So it was more of like a seasonal thing. And then our shop on 822, we probably just left too much food out. And again, it's a 1920s building, so they had kind of... We came in on their ter- territory. <laughs> and then in our current location with the rats... Um, we start, We already talked about this, right? Yeah, they're restoring. So, yeah. yeah. And I don't know why I'm so infatuated with the mice, but I just <laughs> think it's really ironic. I think it scarred that. you. I think you have PTSD from all the mice. I do. It's terrible. Yeah, and I started getting really creative with the ways I would... This Dispose. is going to be yeah. super, yeah. I would. I don't know if you should. It was more like a sport. <laughs> After so many, it's very difficult to keep a sane mind when you know they're just overtaking you and staring at you in your sleep. Mm. Oh, man. So, I think we should wrap up. We're going to end it with the mice. We're going to end it with mice. We're going to end it with... Well... It's always a pleasure, Catherine. Yes. Until next time, I hope you guys are enjoying this. Um, This episode basically is just encouragement that if you are in a business, if you are doing a side hustle to eventually be an entrepreneur full-time, I want to say to you, we want to say to you, you can do it. Go for it. Go for it. Don't give up, man. Adios. Bye. You can find us on Instagram at Ryan Hager TX, at Ramble and Company, and at Catherine.Hager. I'm going to leave you guys today with a quote from Mother Teresa. Kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless.